Welcome to Making Good Choices Podcast. I am your host, Sarah Kozera, and welcome back. And good morning from Uganda. It's morning time here. It's so beautiful. I wish you could see the beautiful sunrises. Ah, they're my favorite. I have a cup of coffee. I want you guys to get a cup of coffee, or if you're driving, stop at Starbucks, or if you're in Uganda, if you're on a boda, <laughs> maybe you get a cup of coffee wherever you're going. <laughs> but today's a special episode. We are kicking off a new month. I love the newness of a new month. Like, And for the podcast, what that means is each month we try to do a different theme. And so the month of March is about discipline. Now, We are going to jump in in just a second, but I just wanted to let you guys know I'm so grateful for you. I hope that you've had the best week. I hope that you've um, just been getting all that God has for you and doing all that that God wants you to do. Um, This month in March, we are actually doing the 30-day shred, reading the Bible in 30 days. And there's there's some kind of grace that comes with reading the Bible through, um, especially on this shred. I don't know if other people feel it, but for me, it encourages me to just wake up before my alarm, get going, and it even goes into other habits like um, making the bed, reading audiobooks, working out, eating right. It's so crazy. Um, So that's going well. We're continuing to develop at church. It's one of those things where you begin to appreciate the process, you know, Um, I think Craig Rochelle actually said it in one of his leadership podcasts that when you appreciate the the process, that is when like you'll be successful or something like that. Because there's something when you're constantly focused on a goal, you're going to hit the goal or you're not going to hit the goal. And will your success be determined by that? Um, When you're in love with the process, then like you want to constantly grow, constantly develop. And so that's what we're seeing at church. Like God, (laughs) it's so funny how God does his things. I think about how like in the Bible, when the temples were made and people just begin to bring stuff and that's what's happening. Like people are bringing stuff. It's reminding me of the time of Moses when God poured out his spirit so men would be skilled in certain areas. We're seeing that. Um, When David prepared Solomon to build the temple, lots and lots of people came. I mean, and, and David poured out what he had. And so that's what we're seeing. And we're so grateful. Um, the kids are at school. They're doing well. We're, we're on school visits. I mean, this is life around here. I, I know all of you guys um, are busy with your lives and you have your own thing. That's what life looks like around here. Of course, I'm still doing homeschooling three times a week. It's awesome. I'm learning so, so much. And I've actually gotten to meet a lot of cool people. So this is going to be a wonderful month of March. So we're super excited. Discipline is the theme for March. And we have some great episodes. We have some great interviews coming your way. So we are going to jump in. We are going to look at Hebrews chapter 12. All right, so let's jump in. We are going to talk about discipline and we are going straight to the Bible. There's something that um, 
you know how when you start something, a lot of times God gives you vision for it after you start, kind of like when he told Abraham, hey, leave your land and go to a place I'll show you. <laughs> hey, we started the podcast and every time I know that I'm supposed to speak on the podcast, the Lord gives me scripture and he gives me like a Bible chapter or, you know, Bible story. And so that's where we're going today. We're going to Hebrews chapter 12. We're talking about discipline. And before we do, I want you to think about what discipline means to you. For some people, it might mean having having great habits, waking up early, getting things done, having your time with the Lord, being great to your family, cooking in the I mean, Whatever discipline can mean to you, it could mean disciplining your kids, right? Um, in Proverbs, it talks about you better discipline your kids because there's folly in kids, but discipline will drive out the folly. <laughs> so maybe that's what you think of when you think of discipline. But today, I, you know, actually, when I felt like discipline was the the overall arching theme of this month for the podcast, I was kind of like, how am I going to make four or five shows out of discipline? <laughs> However, as the Lord does, he gave an, he, he gave me another perspective. Um, and sometimes discipline is just like, to think about it, it's just awful. <laughs> because you, it's literally the killing of your flesh, right? So let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. You can follow along or I'm going to be reading, so it's fine. And you can go back if you don't have it in front of you. It's okay. You can even pull the Bible up on your phone, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to start with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which so which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I think we, many believers have, have heard this scripture. We read this scripture a lot. It, it's actually very encouraging. I love that that it talks about the great cloud of witnesses the people who've gone before us, the believers. I, I love that it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. Today, as we're starting this podcast, there are some things that we need to lay aside every weight and sin. You know, recently I jumped on this scale, which is, and you got to the scales are in kilograms. So it was very interesting. I jumped on the scale. I saw that number and I said, there is no way I'm living at this weight right now. There is no way that I will continue to live at this weight. <laughs> There's no way. And then I began to think about, actually, this scripture came to my mind. Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. There are things that can feel like weight for me in the physical. Yeah, it was there, but also it represents the spiritual. You know, I know that I had a, a, a rough few months, you know, trying to get used to Uganda and I know that I gained weight, but it wasn't just a physical thing. There was a spiritual aspect behind it. I was holding on to things. And so as soon as I saw that thing on the scale, I said, okay, God, we got to get rid of some things. There are some things that are clinging too closely to me. It says, let's 
let's lay aside every weight and sin. Now, when we think about sin, it's very easy to think about uh, violating the Ten Commandments, cussing someone out, losing your temper, you know, whatever comes to your mind when you think of sin. But Romans 14, 23 says, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Is there an area where you are not trusting the Lord or an area where you're not believing for the things that you don't see? Where you're not holding onto the evidence of things hoped for? Because what happens is when we don't proceed in faith, we then take on ourselves. We take on things ourselves instead of believing God to do what he can do. We take on the responsibility. We take on the responsibility of parting the Red Seas, which is never going to happen in our strength. We, we take the responsibility of raising dead things to life, which is never going to happen in our strength. In Hebrews, when it says, let us also... You know, the great cloud of witnesses, when I think of them, I think of people who have run their race before me. But it says, let us also, which means that they have also run their race. They've also laid aside every weight and sin. Let So as we begin, I want us to lay aside every weight and sin. For some people, it's going to take time with the Lord. It might take iron sharpening iron as, as people sharpen each other. Um, and then let us run our race with with endurance, the race set before us. Actually, the word clings, um, the weight and sin that clings so closely to us. In the Greek, that word clings means to, it encircles us. It's what we can see. So when I think about sin being something that is not preceded from faith, I think about us seeing the world around us, getting caught up in the cares of the world, doing things to protect ourselves out of the cares of the world, out of the cares of the world. Um, so we can't run our race that is set before us, and we probably can't even see it. We probably can't even look to Jesus until we lay aside those things, which so easily cling to us. They trip us up. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse three says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Why do we consider him? So we don't grow weary or faint hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now consider him. I think about when I consider my husband, I think about his thoughts before I make a decision, before I make an action. When we consider Jesus who endured, we think about what he did. We think about his life. We think about his mind. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. He endured hostility from sinners against himself. When I think of hostility, I think of um, like a brick wall. When I think, so when, when we're talking about discipline, if there's hostility, this discipline thing that we're going to dive into today, this is going to break down that wall. And Jesus endured hostility from sinners. He endured it so that we don't grow weary or faint hearted, so that we don't take on hostility or a brick wall. Sure, we'll face hostility, but that is something that Jesus already covered. He already dealt with it. 
In your struggle against, this is verse four, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, which Jesus did. This is proof. I love how the scripture like puts in these gems of things like to make you think. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Yet Jesus, think about how hard that was to live a sinless life, right? He, to the point of shedding his blood, he resisted sin. Now that had to take discipline and we're about to find out what that is all about. It's funny that this, what I just read, is in a chapter about discipline. The next verse in verse five, it says, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. That is taken out of Proverbs chapter three, verse 11. I think it's very easy to take that Proverbs. I know I read it. I love to read Proverbs often. And where it says that the Lord disciplines, that word means trains children. So the Lord trains his children, the, the, the ones that he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And here's the thing. Proverbs is an old covenant. Proverbs was in the Old Testament. That word chastises means scourged. There's only one that took the scourging for us. There's only one son now. You know, there's only one son that was scourged, and that was Jesus. I want to, I want you to, um, pick a revelation from this. I want you to open, open your mind, open your heart to this. For the Lord disciplines, which he trains, yes, he does, the ones that he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. Chastises means scourged. Scourged. Jesus was scourged for us so that every single son could be received. Every single son could be received. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, which is a big deal. This is a big deal. It is for discipline that you have to endure. For discipline that you have to endure. As we're talking about discipline, I don't want you to think of punishment. It's very easy for us to think that God is punishing us if we have a wrong mindset of God, a wrong thought process of God. Our Father, He wants us to live the most fruitful life. He wants us to walk in peace, love, joy, hope, faith. The discipline is going from the flesh to the spirit, from the flesh to the spirit, It is for discipline that you have to endure. We endure so we can be spirit-led. Actually, in Romans 8, it says that when we are in the flesh, we are at enmity with God. We We are hostile towards God. Who wants to be hostile towards God? But but God, he's such a good father. He disciplines us so that we can walk in the spirit. Verse 7 says, God is treating you as sons. That is so big. We are now sons because the one was scourged. We now can be received. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? You know, earthly fathers want the best for their kids, right? If they're, you know, if we say, oh, he's a good dad. They want the best for their kids. No, don't touch the stove. No, don't run across the road. No, don't spend all your money there. No, don't eat too much candy. How much more does God want us to move from those fleshly things into the spirit and all 
that he has for us. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegit- illegitimate children and not sons. So think about it in, in the perspective that I just shared. If you are left without discipline in which we all have participated, then you are illegit- illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of Spirit and live? Verse 10 says, For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. Now, sometimes when we think about holiness of God, we can think about um, not sinning, being so pure, never telling a lie. Here's the thing. The thing is, it's not the goal of God that we become monks. Like, I respect monks. I, I mean, the people who are holy, blameless, never get married, whatever. Now that God has sent his only son, there is grace here. And with grace comes holiness. God is looking at our hearts now. When we're talking about this discipline, it's from the inside. It's not stop doing this, stop doing that, stop doing this, stop doing that. This discipline thing is in our mind, it's in our soul. Our soul to grab a hold of what the Spirit has for us, to agree with the Holy Spirit and not agree with our flesh. This thing is in our hearts that we may share His holiness. Now, at this point, you know, many people believe, okay, you gave your life to Christ, now get right. Stop smoking. We are not trying to get perfect. That is not what we're trying to do. This starts from the inside. Love has been made perfect already. <laughs> in order to for us to agree with the Spirit, in order for us to agree with all the Holy Spirit has for us, we have to receive that thing. We have to know that when Christ died for us, we, re- we became the righteousness of God. He who became sin, who knew no sin... Be- came and died for us sinners. We were sinners. He died for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are not trying to get perfect, but to live as him out of this. This is holiness. The Bible says in 1 John four seventeen, this is love perfected with us, love made perfect so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world in this world in this world here's the thing we're not we're not striving not to sin don't look don't look don't look don't look no the this discipline thing is allowing god to help us it's allowing the holy spirit to help us receive the fullness the peace of knowing that as children of god we are disciplined by him there's been one that has been scourged And now we can share in the holiness of God. Now, before Jesus came, people could not share in the holiness of God, which we're going to see a little bit later in this passage. But I want you to get this, this in you. This thing has already been done for you. Jesus took your sins so that you might live in grace and peace and the fullness of God. I love it. I love the verse I just read. It says, as he is, so are we, where? In this world. 
We are like him in this world. Now, some people think that they have to work, 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 like the Rihanna song, that they have to just just do things out of their own strength. That would be doing things out of your flesh. Uh-uh, I, I don't want that. And guys, guess what? Even the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea was in the old covenant. The covenant that we're in right now is a better covenant. A better covenant. Why would we try to part Red Seas by ourselves? If you're hitting a brick wall, if you're hitting hostility from sinners, why would you try to face that yourself? When as he is, so are we in this world. There is something that the Lord has given us inside. He's given his... He's given his only son, his only spirit. Can you imagine that? On the inside of us, on the inside of us, on the inside, it's not, and it's not like there's two different people inside of us. <laughs> Sometimes we can say like, oh, Jesus lives on the inside of us. <laughs> and we think like, okay, is there a little man inside of us? Like, what, what do you mean? No, we're one. We're one. And I know that's crazy for people to to see because they're looking at themselves with fleshly eyes. God doesn't look at us that way. He looks at us as righteous. The next verse, verse 11 says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. We are not working towards righteousness. We're not working towards that. We don't have to strive to be righteous. We are righteous. The Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We receive who we are. If something comes in your mind that says you are dirty, if something comes in your mind that says, oh, remember that thing that you keep thinking about this person? No, you are righteous. You are so righteous. You know, I've shared this before, but I, this so helps me. And my husband shares it too. If there's sin, if there's sickness, if there's witchcraft, whatever people could say against you, and and they and that thing wants power, well, the Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means we're seated in heavenly places. That sickness has to come on up to heaven and try to bound Jesus. If that thing cannot bound Jesus, bind Jesus, sorry, if that thing cannot bind Jesus, then it can't bind me. And that's called a righteousness conscience. How is our conscience? This is discipline. Disciplining our conscience, allowing God to show us who he is. And we grasp that thing. We grasp our identity. That's our identity in Christ. We grasp it and we walk in it fully. You know, there are many, many, many people who have dealt with things in their past and they're still living as if they're living godly lives, but in their minds, they're still thinking of themselves the old way. That is not righteousness. We have been given righteousness. Let's put on the mindset. The Bible says that we can take every thought captive and make it obedient to God. You know, I, I like to say that spiritual warfare happens in the mind, or as Joyce Meyer says, the battlefield of the mind. Like, if you can master your mind, which the Bible says you can, if you can take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ and think on things that are true, lovely, noble, pure, that's a discipline. That is God discipline, disciplining 
And we know that the Holy Spirit is so good to us. He helps us. He helps us to see who we are because of who Jesus is. <laughs> we aren't working towards righteousness. We are disciplining our souls to it and believe it and to believe it for our sake. He made him who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Verse 12 says, Therefore, now, now that all of this has been said, this is what you do. Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. Get up and get disciplined. Lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. You know, we've talked about... um I think John Maxwell, he said it's principle of default or design. When there's no discipline, when you have let your soul, because we are body, soul, and spirit, when you have let your soul tend towards the flesh, this is the, these are the things that happen. Your hands droop. Your knees get weak. Your feet go astray. You get lame and out of joint. And not healed. <laughs> but the Bible says by his stripes we were healed. When we come out of alignment with that consciousness of righteousness, which it just says in the verse above that we will see fruits of peace and righteousness. When we come out of the disciplining of God, when, when we want to walk in our own minds, and our fleshly minds. If that flesh ain't dead, <laughs> if that flesh is not dead, then our hands will droop, our wheeze, our, our wheeze, our knees will weaken, our path will go astray. Which I think that, you know, especially in the last two years, this has happened to a lot of people. If you, the, the thing is, it's with the word. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and give it to the full. We can find uh, Matthew 13. And Matthew 13 talks about the four types of grounds in Mark chapter 4 as well. It's the enemy comes to steal the word. People can think, oh, the enemy's coming against me. The enemy's coming against me. So what do you do? You isolate yourself. You don't share with anyone. The enemy is coming against me. So you... It's to start binge watching shows. Next thing you know, you find out you're not in the word. That's not the enemy coming against you. <laughs> That's you letting him steal the word from you and you going astray. Let's discipline ourselves. You let that word take root in you. When the word takes root in us, there is no way, no way that our hands will droop, that our Knees. Uh, when I think about hands, I think about surrender. Like it says, lift your drooping hands. You know, like in Mo, like with Moses, um, whenever there was that great battle against the Amalekites in the Old Testament and Exodus, and there and and his two friends have to lift his hands in order to win the war. Lift your drooping hands. Surrender that thing. This is discipline. Surrender that thing to God. Strengthen your weak knees. Let's get to praying. Come on. Let's get to praying. Make straight paths for your feet. I, I love that it's, it's telling us to do this part. It's not saying God disciplines you. <laughs> it's telling us to do it. Because we have to take this on. We have to take this on ourselves. 
Um, this is the part. This is the part. Our minds. God's not going to come in your mind and say, think this, do this. Unless we lift our drooping hands, strengthen our weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet. I, I love that it tells us to make straight paths for our feet. We know when we've gone astray. Get back on the path. There is no shame and there is no guilt in Christ in Christ Jesus. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. When you know that you have gone astray, get back on track. Just get back on track. If there's any part of you that is lame, let it be uh, put back in joint and be healed. That means sometimes we have to bring things to God or let him examine us in ways that we don't want uh, to be touched. I know. So this week, actually, our th- our theme at church this month is who is God. And even everything that we do for that month revolves around the theme of the month. So even in our leaders meetings, we're, we're talking about the holiness of God and how, you know, vision is so important because, you know, we see revival, not just a revival where a bunch of people come to church, but revival where we've seen, where we can see, you know, and know God more than anyone who has ever lived, more intimately than anyone who has ever lived. And out of that comes the power. (laughs) That's what we see. But we've been talking about the holiness of God, letting us taking on his nature. And what that means is letting him examine us. There are some places that are out of joint that need to be healed. This is discipline. This is what that is. <laughs> let's not default. When we're, Let's not not be intentional, right? When we're not intentional, our hands droop. We won't be praying. Our feet go astray. Our eyes go astray even. And we become lame. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We want people to fall in love with him. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Listen, the grace of God is how we move. It's how we move. The grace of, if if we do not receive the grace of God, then we're doing things out of our own strength. The grace of God is the divine enablement of God. It's him. Like some can say, oh, it's God helping me. No, no it's not him helping you. It's him through you. People look at the Red Sea as one of the greatest miracles ever. Okay, I get that. But that was in the worst covenant. The worst covenant. That was under the law. Actually, it was it was before the law was even given to Moses. That thing was under the wor- a, a, a worst covenant. We're under something where God has literally said, I'm going to dwell in you and I'm going to move in you. When we take on that consciousness, there is nothing that God cannot do. When we say, God, have your way here. Have your way. And I believe every single thing. I believe so big. I believe every word that you say. I believe every thought that you've given me. I believe the plans that you have for my life are way, way, way bigger. And it's going to make people uncomfortable. And I believe that. Let's go ahead and discipline me and we're rolling out. (laughs) Because I'm not wasting my days. I'm not wasting my days to to have some drooping hands, some weak knees. No, I have divine enablement of God. We are not working for something. We are working from grace. It says that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and and, by, and many become defiled by it, that no one is sexually immoral. Now, that's what happens when we're trying to do stuff out of our own strength. 
That's what it means by our feet going astray. And really our hearts go astray. A root of bitterness can spring up when we are not allowing God's grace to renew us. You know, we have a new spirit. We have we have the Holy Spirit when we get saved. Now, I love how our pastor says it. Does that mean that all of a sudden when we get saved, we are a new creation. So we lose 50 pounds the day we get saved. No, not exactly. I mean, God can do what he wants, but our soul has to align with the spirit. Our minds have to align with the spirit. And the more that happens, the easier the flesh aligns because it's dead. (laughs) Because it's dead. So I love this, this scripture. After, after he says, obtain the grace. I guess it's a he. After he says, obtain the grace uh, that no one is sexually immoral, immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. This thing says, make sure no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. My question is, why does it use Esau, the one who sold his birthright for a single meal? Esau was Jacob's twin in the in the Bible. Jacob's twin. Except Esau was the older of the twins. And even whenever they were in the womb, the Lord told their mom, you have two nations in you and the younger, the older will serve the younger, which is out of order in our natural eyes, right? So what happens is Esau gets discontent. He sells his birthright for a single meal. Now, I, I love, okay, I don't, poor Esau. I don't love that the Bible has to use him. I feel kind of bad for Esau. But he, it says, make sure no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. Why didn't God use crazy sinners in the Bible like um the 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 girls who slept with their dad, the guys who violated Moses, his own sons who violated Moses, Sodom and Gomorrah. Why didn't he use them? Why did he use Esau? It's the one who didn't receive his inheritance because he was focused on earthly satisfaction. That is being unholy. And in this chapter of discipline, this is all about discipline. Don't sell your birthright for a single meal. Don't sell your birthright, which is righteousness, peace, holiness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. When we are disciplined, we can't sell our birthright. There ain't nobody who I'm going to sell my birthright to. (laughs) My inheritance. That thing that says that God is moving through me. He's on the inside of me as he is. So am I in this world. I'm not selling my birthright. That is being unholy. It, the unholiness is, is not the, the things that, oh, I, I might find myself doing this. Um, I, oh, if I tell a lie, Lord, let me go repent. No, the, the unholiness is to say, I know that this inheritance is offered, right? And I'm going to sell it. For some of you who are listening, I don't know how, I know it's by the Holy Spirit you made it this far if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, because this stuff is probably like, what? (laughs) 
if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, there is a birthright. There is an inheritance that is waiting for you to receive. You can receive it because Jesus came. He died for you while you are still a sinner. And because he died and he rose again, you are made righteous. You are made holy. You are made pure. You are made now with a new spirit. You have divine enablement. The old has passed away. All things are made new. You are a new creation. Or you can sell your birthright and say, I don't want that inheritance. And the Bible says that Esau didn't have a chance to repent. You know, the Israelites in the Old Testament, um, they were God's chosen people. They were his children. And the children weren't getting it or they loved the law so much and they didn't love him. And he's like, hey, my kids. So what had to happen was the younger kids, the Gentiles now have to serve. I mean, the younger kids, the Gentiles now got access to the birthright that the older one, that the older one, the Esau, really, it, it was meant to go to, right? It's it's just like that. The beautiful thing is, is that, and then out, out of that, we see, you know, Esau, he, he sells his birthright to Jacob, and out of Jacob comes the 12 tribes of it. 12 tribes of Israel. For the the Israelites, the the kids in the wilderness, the the Hebrews in the wilderness, um, all the way through to whenever Jesus came and lived on the earth. Those kids of his, those kids of his loved the law more than him. And so he opened up. He said, hey, here's an inheritance. It's open it is open for the Gentiles. It's open for all who want to come to me, which aligns with what he told Abraham in the beginning. All nations, <laughs> all the nations, like you have all the nations, not just his people. So when we're talking about discipline, don't sell that birthright. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I encourage you today, jump on board, baby, because this life is like no other. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, get your mind off of the temporary things. Focus on the things that are eternal. You have a birthright. You have an inheritance that is not of illegitimate children. It is of children of God. We can share in every single thing that God has. As he is, so are we in this world. There's um, actually the story of Esau and... um. And Jacob <laughs> actually reminds me of, um, there's a story of a guy named Lazarus in the Bible, not the one who was raised from the dead, at least. Um, we don't think that was the one. Uh, it's actually in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man clothed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores, and the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off, and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. 
for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime, (laughs) in your lifetime, you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, send to him, send send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that they may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead, which is the basis of our very belief. That that rich man, he didn't believe. He didn't believe. Lazarus believed. The rich man was focused on his earthly inheritance Lazarus was focused on his eternal inheritance, and he was willing to even take from what fell from the rich man's table. Esau sold his birthright for something so temporary, a single meal. What kind of things do we sell our mindsets to? What kind of thing do we sell our mindset to that is not focused on the eternal things? What do we sell our mindsets to? You know, our mindset is a part of our soul. Some people say, you sell your soul to the devil. <laughs> and now, I don't, <laughs> I don't go around saying that, but sometimes, sometimes our mindsets can buy into these worldly things or even things that believers are saying. You have the spirit of the living God on the inside of you. Please do not get what people are saying around you and take that as the word of God. The Holy Spirit will always point you to Jesus. And his fruits are so evident. We don't have to to analyze these things and say, uh, uh-uh, uh, they they don't have the they don't have the Lord, uh, uh-uh. uh, um, this one, this one, uh, uh-uh. uh. Listen, God has called you to be like Him, to be one with Him, actually, to abide in Him, to abide, to be a part of, to be one with, to dwell with. He's actually dwelling in you. Like Esau, without discipline, you can settle for what seems good, but it's not God's best for you. For what seems good, but it's earthly. Continuing and finishing our Hebrews chapter. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion. That's the place where God dwells, by the way. There's no distance. You've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly, or the church, of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteousness made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to be and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Don't be living like you're going to Mount Sinai, thinking that there's a great chasm between you and God. This is discipline. 
Are you living as if, you know, there's a passage about Mount Sinai. Moses goes up, you know, this is Mount Sinai. This is the Ten Commandments, that whole, whole all those chapters, right? And, and God says, don't let anyone touch the mountain. There's a distance because of sin. There's a distance between the people and me. Even if a beast touches it, it's dead. That's Mount Sinai. But now I told you we're in a better covenant. The Bible says that it just, it just told us, but you are at Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the place where God dwells. The place where he dwells. We, we are one with him. The disciplining is disciplining our minds from thinking that we are a Mount Sinai people when we're actually a Mount Zion people. Oh guys, I want you to get this. Discipline. Allowing, allowing God to discipline us and, and taking responsibility for our discipline is not allowing ourselves to be a Mount Sinai people when he has called us to be a Mount Zion people. There is no distance from us. We can come so close to him. The Bible says in James, we draw near to him. He draws near to us. He He's more eager to love you. He is more eager to provide for you. He's more eager to share the things that he has with you, to extend himself through you. That's grace. He's more eager to do that than he, than he could do with Mount Sinai. Why? Because our sins have been paid for. Anything that you are thinking about today that is separating you from God is a lie. It's a lie. If you are a believer of Jesus Christ, you you can have as much of God as you want. As much as you want. As much as you want. He's not withholding himself from you. He's not up on a mountaintop. Some people are like, God, God is looking down on you from the mountaintop. He's looking down. He's watching what you're doing. If that's true, then I must be on the mountaintop too, because we are one with each other. Don't let yourself be so undisciplined that you think you are Mount Sinai people, which is what the enemy wants you to think. That's the that's why he wants to steal the word, because he's jealous. He wants you to think that you're a Mount Sinai kind of people where you have to fear. Even Moses said, I fear. <laughs> I fear. Even Moses was fearful and he even put a veil over his face after spending time with God just because his face was shining and he was different. That's not who we are. Paul actually says that we are more bold than Moses. We are Mount Zion people. We are one with the Lord. We abide in him. He is the vine and we are the branches. We have his only spirit and his only son and we are walking in the fullness because we are disciplined. We lift our hands in surrender to him. We make our our feet go on the right path. We train these minds that to know that we are we are holy with God. We share in his holiness. We're not unholy like Esau, the one who would sell his birthright. We're not unholy to choose the earthly things over the things of God. Verse 25 says, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him now who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will not only shake the earth, but also the heavens. You remember the voice of God would shake the earth in the Old Testament. The phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful 
for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Today he wants to consume everything, everything that clings to you. (laughs) To go back to that beginning thing, it goes, that's the end of the chapter, and it starts with the very thing in the beginning. Our God is a consuming fire. We lay aside every weight and every sin, and we let God consume that sucker and let him consume us. We come to him with gratefulness that we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We come to him with acceptable worship. That's our response to discipline. A lot of times people will say, oh, one person can change the world. You can change the world. We not only can change the world as believers, we have a mandate to change the world. In Genesis one twenty eight, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In that verse, it says God blessed them. That's past tense. God has already done the thing. He's already done the thing. He's already healed you. He's already set you free. He's already blessed you. And now we have a command to be fruitful and multiply. Because Jesus came, he redeemed us from the curses, every curse. He he hung on a tree as Galatians 5. I think it's Galatians 5. I know it's Galatians. He hung hung on the tree, took every curse. Maybe Galatians 3. Yeah. He took every curse. Now we're back at the same mandate that he gave in the beginning. He blessed us. And now we have even more. He's within us now. Adam and Eve didn't have the spirit dwelling within them. We have the Holy Spirit, the very one, the the very one who created the heavens and the earth, hovered over the waters, raised Jesus Christ from the dead, parted the Red Sea. We have that Holy Spirit. We have been blessed. And God is, God said to them, and he's saying to us, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. The word subdue means take into bondage. Let's take this earth into bondage. There are some things we're going to have to kick out of this earth. We are the light. The light has to shine and extinguish the darkness. I think about a room full of light and a person trying to hide there. It can't hide. Our job is to subdue the earth, subdue it, take it into bondage, To do all of this, we have to receive that we have been blessed. We have to receive the discipline of God, not making us into something. He already did that. But how to receive? Discipline is living by faith, receiving all the promises that God has given us. Discipline, like in John 14, is being a child, not an orphan. Aligning our minds with that of, hey, Esau? He might have sold his birthright. I ain't selling my birthright. Let me go ahead and get this good blessing. I don't care if I'm the youngest of the family. I don't care if I'm the black sheep of the family. This is my blessing that I am one with God. John 15 verses 1 through 5 says, I am the true vine and the father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already... You are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Hey, already, you don't have to clean yourself. Guys, you don't have to clean yourself. Already, 
you are clean. When you believe that thing, just watch. Just watch. Smoking, if smoking is an issue, it's going to be taken away. If alcoholism is an issue, or you you like to be a little too too comfortable with the alcohol, it's going to be taken away. You're already clean because of the word. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from him, you can do nothing. This is the discipline. Aligning our soul and our to the Holy Spirit, our new regenerated spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord for dying on the cross for our sins, that now we can live in the fullness of God. Don't live your life trying to fight sin. It has already been fought for you and defeated. It's already been accomplished. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that we have all access, that he demolished every power, every power. Don't live your life. Many people are struggling because they think they have to fight sin. If you live your your life with your mindset of you having to fight sin, then you will not be able to receive the inheritance, that thing. You will not be able to receive the grace and obtain that thing. You'll be too busy focused on sin. Isn't that just like the devil? Actually, in Galatians chapter 5, in Galatians chapter 5, it gives the fruit of the Spirit. And one of them is self-control. And some of us are like, oh, we have to control ourselves. We have to control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of Sarah. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within you. Actually, the word self-control means to master over. You have become masters now that you have the Holy Spirit. You are not a person who is striving to master over sin, over pornography, over lust, over alcoholism, over suicidal thoughts. You, when you receive that grace, when you discipline your mind, when you lift your hands, when you make make your knees strong, when you put your feet on the right path and allow God to heal the lame parts of you, you will not be dealing with those things anymore. That's the power of God. That is the power that he has, the power that he's given us. And that's discipline, y'all. That's discipline. I love to repeat myself for some reason, (laughs) but that's discipline. That's discipline. It's not out of your strength. It's out of his. Receive all that God has for you. Don't be unholy like an Esau giving up your birthright. Don't Don't give up any thought that you have today for something that's unholy, which would be something that is of this earth. Don't give your mind to those things. Keep your mind on the things above. You're going to see the 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 fruits of peace and righteousness just rule and reign in your life. You are going to see that when you walk past people, they're going to be healed. Demons might cry out trying to manifest when you walk past. There is going to be something even greater than what Jesus did on this earth. That's what he told us. You are not an orphan. You, you, Esau had great parents. And guess what? He acted as an orphan and he sold his birthright because he thought he was missing out on something. You're not missing anything when you have Christ Jesus. You're not missing. You you take the fullness of it. Holy Spirit, I, I just thank you right now. I thank you right now for full understanding. I thank you, Lord God, that 
that our listeners have the mind of Christ, Lord. They don't have to strive for that thing. You've given it so freely, Lord, and they can freely give. Lord, they receive right now, Lord. They receive all that you have for them, God. Lord, we receive together, Lord, just that I love that we can just share in your holiness, Lord. That we're no longer on a Mount Sinai, Lord, but we are Mount Zion people, Lord. We are with you, Lord. We we are uh, here for the reckoning, Lord, to take the earth and subdue it. Lord, we discipline ourselves right now, Lord. We lift our hands in surrender, Lord. We, we make strong those weak knees that we let go to default mode, Lord. We are no longer lame, but we are strong in you. We are strong. We ain't poor. We are rich. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you. We're not sick. We are healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are not dirty. We are pure and blameless, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this discipline. Thank you, Lord, that you you have scourged the, the one that you love so that you could receive every son. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these people, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for making Good Choices podcast. And I thank you, Lord, that they go out. They have a great rest of their uh, weekend or week whenever they're listening to this, God. And thank you that we get the opportunity to come back together again next week with a great interview. (laughs) In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Make good choices.